Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me one of Telluride's top brokers, Lars Carlson. Hey, Lars, how are you? Hey, John, very good. Thank you for having me. I, it's been a while since the last time you were on the show, but, uh, you know, and it's always great to have you back again. Uh, but I'm sure there are people that are, my people here, I would say, are anxious to hear what is happening in the Telluride, Colorado market. But even before we go there, let me ask you the silly question that I have to ask you. How was the skiing this year? Oh, phenomenal. It was best ski year since 1986-87. Wow. That is, that's that's great. I have a friend who goes out to Aspen and he said he's been skiing, I think, I don't know, since he was a kid. And he said in uh, Aspen, he said it was spectacular. He says it was like, uh, you know, going to heaven. Yeah. Was it the it, same there? It was, it was the same here. We had uh, almost, we had 200% of the snow, snowpack. The only difference, we just, we didn't have too many sunny days, which a lot of people coming to Terry, you know, they want to sit out, have a beer on the deck and have sun and you right. just weren't able to. Wow. Just when it, was it because of uh, the smoke from Canada? No, it was just clouds, clouds the snow clouds. I mean, we, oh, we snow. got snowed on. It was like, it just seemed like, if it wasn't snowing, it was cloudy and getting ready to snow. So it was just a long winter. Wow. Yeah, but it was a great winter, it sounds like. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it was a great winter for skiing. So, uh, you know, uh, you told us before, uh, how did you get into, uh, how did you get to Telluride and and how did you get into real estate? A good question. Um, you know, I was at University of Oregon with my college roommates and we were studying for the our fall finals and we we're like, Let's do something fun next year. Let's go skiing. And so we were all planning to go to Jackson Hole. And then I worked in a ski shop while in college. And my buddy said, hey, don't go to Jackson, go to Telluride. And so I convinced everybody to come here. And we came here. And then it, it, life is so funny because it, it always throws you curveballs. I was planning after a couple of years skiing here. I was like, well, it's time to probably step up and you know get a real job. And I, I was walking down the street with a coffee one morning on my way to work. And a, a buddy of mine goes, what do you think about doing, Lars? And I'm like, ah, I'm thinking about leaving. He's like, well, if you could stay here and make money, would you stay? And I'm like, yeah. And so he's like, come talk to me about real estate. Because at the time, I'd been selling skis and I'd sold him a couple pairs of skis. So he thought, well, hey, if you can sell skis, you can sell houses. Right. And it worked out pretty well. That's that's fabulous. Certainly great. Um so we're into the summer. So what does Telluride uh, have to offer now besides snow? <laughs> um, I would actually say the summers are better. You know, we've got hiking, biking, skiing, well, not skiing, but um, golf, tennis. It's just, it's a wonderful place in the summertime because it's light from, you know, seven in the morning till nine at night. Um, in the old days, I used to pack my fishing gear and after work at five, I'd go down and fish for a couple of hours now. I'll sneak out and hit golf balls and stuff. It's just, it's an amazing, but the, the, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the people that come to visit her just love the beauty and love 
um, hiking and getting out into, into the, the natural outdoors. Is it as crowded now as it is in the wintertime? Mm, interesting. Um, I would say Main Street seems a little bit more crowded during the day because in the winter, during the day, everybody's up on the mountain. And then entirely in the summer, there's just a lot of people walking the shops and shopping. So it's a little bit busier on Main Street, but obviously less crowded out where you're hiking and stuff. I know you're on the uh, uh, Telluride um, board. Uh, what is that? The uh, trustee? Town council. What? Town council. Sorry. Right. And uh, I'm just curious, uh, do you get involved in the affordable housing? In other words, is there affordable housing for service people, for the service industry, I should say? Yes, uh, we've actually um, we've been building roughly one to two condominium projects for affordable housing every year. So we've been trying, we've been very aggressive about uh, building projects on a pretty regular basis. Right now, we've we've broken ground on a twenty-eight unit building near the post office, and then we have another project that will probably start in the spring. So we're always trying to to keep things moving. We just finished a project, I'd say four months ago, that's slightly outside of town. It was a, a public-public partnership with the county, and it seemed to work pretty well. Uh, and so it, 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 we we understand the difficulties. I mean, Terry, it's such a small town. It's only 2,300 people, and it's uh, topographically challenged because it's, it's mountains every which we're in a box canyon. And so you can't just keep building. There's no real place to to continue development. And so we were really trying to focus in on empty lots in the town and, and then also trying other places in the county. Hmm. So let me ask you the, uh, the million dollar question. How's the inventory? <laughs> the inventory, John, seems to be getting better every day. It's, you know, during um, COVID from, you know, 2020 through 2022, uh, we had very little inventory and it's, it's now trending upward. I would say a lot of that is because there's a number of sellers that, you know, are still, they're testing the market. They're putting properties on at a higher level, which during the COVID period would have been immediately absorbed. But now buyers are like, well, let's wait and see what happens in the market. And especially, I don't think interest rates affect our buyers. It's more of a cash market, but I think psychologically it affects them. And they they see it in other parts of their life. And, and so do they need a, a second or third home? They, they may take a little bit more time to make that decision. So, but if the uh, condo or the house is uh, properly uh, priced, does it move? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So what and, you're and seeing what kind is... Of time, uh, what, do you, what do you see? Like, in other words, you, you get the listing and you have an owner that says, Lars, I like that price. What, what, what would it be till uh, closing? Six weeks? Oh, um, if it's priced appropriately, you know, it would be, yeah, six to eight weeks till closing, maybe even a less. If it's priced above the market, it, you know, in the old days, it would be 18 to 24 months for average days on the market. During COVID, that was reduced drastically. And now it's it's trending back upwards. Hmm, okay. Um, where do you see most of your buyers coming from? Hmm. Um, we've got an interesting mix. I would say a fair amount from East Coast, like New York, a fair amount from 
Los Angeles and San Francisco. And then uh, the strongest market is probably from Texas. There's a lot of people that are trying to avoid the heat. I mean, Austin's 104 today, and I think our high is going to be 75 and sunny. It's beautiful. Wow. I know uh, here in the uh, Hamptons are pretty, pretty warm. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um, is uh, Telluride uh, a seasonal market or has it become more of a, a home base for your buyers because the buyers have more flexibility with, to work at, at home? That was especially true the last two years. Now we're seeing a uh, trend back towards more traditional, you know, a month during the winter, two months during the summer. I've got a, a number of clients that I see daily during the summer. And then, you know, they pack up their bags and head back when school starts. Huh. So they don't necessarily come out in the wintertime. They're, they're, they're more. They'll come out for like two weeks over the holidays and then a week in, the, in March or February. And then there's some people that spend more time. I mean, I definitely have some clients that can spend four to six months up here. And then I've, I've got a few clients that are telling me that once their kids go off to college, they will be here six to eight months. I mean, I, yet to be seen, but we'll see. Okay. So have you seen the market change since last year? If so, yeah. how so? Um, as I said, like inventory is going up, you know, the sales, uh, the sales numbers are roughly the same as the year before, though the the I would say the price per square foot is, has trended up a little bit. I mean, it went up dramatically during COVID. Now it's trending down, especially in the town of Telluride, up in the mountain village. It's it never never got to the highs. Like in Telluride, the high of the market was about thirty three hundred a foot for a, a, a residential property. Mountain Village, the high was seventeen to eighteen hundred a foot, so they didn't get the huge bump, and so they're also not seeing as much of a retraction in the market. If that makes sense, it does. Um, on the other hand, what do you see for the next six months? I foresee that we will see a number of sellers that have put their properties back on the market have. Their lifestyles have changed to a degree and they may not be spending as much time in Telluride. And I think a number of them will be like in the next few months, we'll say, all right, what's the number to sell? What will it take? And I think we'll see some, some properties, see some price reductions. And we also may see some buyers coming in with low numbers and, and sellers accepting those lower numbers. I mean, the market has to kind of, I don't know if it has to come back to pre-COVID, but beginning of COVID numbers because it just spiked up too much. And I'm sure you saw that in your market as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. In our market, it's still, uh, because of inventory, it's still, uh, there's bidding wars. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it's what the market says. You know, it just tells you that. Um, what are some of the surrounding communities that are, uh, I would say, percolating and attracting buyers besides just Telluride? Oh, you mean within the state of Colorado? Right, right. Now, not in the state of Colorado, but in the surrounding. Are there like uh, other communities besides, you know, the, the uh, village or the town? Yes. I mean, we've got um, Ridgeway, which is about 38 miles away. We also have Norwood, which is 38 miles away in a different direction. Um, Rico, which is about 26 miles away. I would say the, the market that's strongest there is Ridgeway. They've gone up dramatically. Uh, we've seen Ridgeway transform in the old days. It had very few restaurants. It's now got a 
a, a number of great restaurants. They're also building a lot of housing and community housing. And so I've, I've actually had some friends move down there and then drive 45 minutes to town. And we've also seen some people move out to Norwood. The market in Norwood's a little bit lower. Um, and so you're seeing them, you know, commute as well. So a little sleeper communities for the tarot market. How was the uh, the rental market? I assume the rental market is, is uh, high during the winter time, or is it both both uh, seasons? All both seasons. You know, the only months that it's not high is probably April and May, and then October, November. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know the rental market for long term rentals is almost non. There's just nothing out there. It's very difficult to find long term housing. Around. You can't well, year-round around housing, yeah, unless you want to pay exorbitant prices. <laughs> well, you know, I you know, I guess it's all relative, right? Uh, I guess <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> for some people, you know, it's it's you know, it's the price is what it is, and for other people, uh, can you get me something at this price point? And it's no, we just don't yeah. have that. Um, what was it? Um, I just curious, did you get hit by any of that smoke from Canada? No, we didn't have any of it. We've had smoke in the past summers where it's coming from Utah or Arizona, but we've had none. We've, it's been clear skies for the last, uh, I'd say, three weeks. And we haven't had any of the monsoons start yet either, the afternoon rain showers. Huh. If, um, Lars, I have to ask you, if someone had more questions for you, especially about Telluride, how could they reach you? Ooh. Very easily, um, John. They could call me at 970-729-0160, or they can always email me at LarsCarlson1 at Mac.com. Fantastic. Lars Carlson, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life, broadcasting here in the sunny village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3. If you'd like to hear this program again or other podcasts, make sure you go to WLIW.org slash radio. In the meantime, stay right where you are, since we'll be right back after this short break with our next guest, Corcoran agent Joe Gonzalez. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher, and today I have with me Corcoran agent Joe Gonzalez. Hey, Joe, how are you? Doing well, John. Thank you. Great. Uh, Before we talk real estate, uh, a lot of people don't know you're an awesome basketball dude. You're out there playing with guys half your age and winning. What's your strategy? John, the word awesome. Can you give me a definition, please? Well, you know, now you're being <laughs> humble. I know you. I know you're really good. So, no. and the thing is that you go against some of these guys that are like giants, and yet, you know, you still win. You have a you you win, and so there must be some strategy uh, taking place. Uh, you know, I am short but slow, and that usually tends to keep me balanced. And uh, you know, it throws people off, and then I just try to win the game. Okay, so let me ask you another question. Do you think yep. uh, um, your skills in basketball have helped you in real estate? Um, I think there's, uh, you know, all kidding aside, there, there's some uh, correlations. If you want to be competitive and play competitive sports, um, it's the same thing in real estate. When I take a listing, I usually tell the sellers, look, 
I'm going to sell this property. If, if you want to accept an offer that you feel is, is works for you, that's fine. But I'm here to compete for every last dollar. So I'm going to treat it the same way I would if I'm going out to play basketball. I want to win every game. I represent you. And, and I want to, you know, get as much money as possible. If I'm with uh, a buyer, it's the same thing. You're looking for them to get the best deal for them, but you hope that you can do it at a price that's going to make them extremely happy. Excellent. So that speaking of games, fill in this blank. Real estate is like a game of thrones. Uh, no, it's not Game of Thrones where you kill each other and somebody <laughs> wins. Uh, I would say a game of darts. Darts. Okay. Great tell. Yep. And uh, so in, in a good market uh, or in a buyer's market, let's say, and you're a buyer, you can throw a dart. And as long as you hit the board, you're coming away with a great property. So let's look at 2019. I would say since 2012, that's been the one true buyer's market that we've had. Um, at that time, anything you bought, if you overpaid by 100,000, 200,000, that amount was easily washed away by 2020 in the pandemic. So you just had to hit the board. Today, a buyer needs to be, first off, it's always about what works best for you. Not everybody's in it for an investment, but it's a nice proponent of 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 what you're trying to accomplish as well. Today you got to be a little more precise. You got to, you know, get closer to the bullseye and if you're looking for investment value as well. Okay. I think that sounds good. Before we talk about uh, the sales market, let's talk about rentals. What happened okay. in the rental market this year as compared to last year? Wow. Um it the rental market uh post pandemic has been very very hard to predict. I think last year, uh, landlords that booked early, whether it was the fall or January, February, March, they did fantastic. At some point in April, there was a mutiny of sorts. You know, borders opened up. People were able to go back to Europe for the first time, or at least think about it. And I think the other, the major factor, though, was that the supply and demand curve. So the demand was going down. And the supply was greatly increased for two reasons, that former tenants had purchased in the pandemic and wanted to become landlords. Um, and also people in the Hamptons who had never rented their homes before were hearing about these fabulous numbers and they're like, I'm going to do it too. So I think we're still in a, in a place now where there's a lot of supply for rentals and far less demand. And that's had an effect. I think, uh, by summer 2023, we'll probably get much, much closer to pre-pandemic pricing. Cool. Um, any advice to give landlords that haven't rented their homes yet? Well, it's getting a little late, you know, um, <laughs> but the the point is that they have to keep well, that you know, in there's mind. There's a lot of people that look for two-week rentals, so, you know. Yep, yeah, no, the two-week rentals are, are, are still uh, certainly in play. I would say that the landlords need to be flexible. This is a year where we're having musical chairs. In the past, that would mean homes that weren't renovated, where the landlords don't really have to rent, um, where their pricing was too high, they might get left behind. This year, maybe for the first time, perfect homes are being left behind as well. So everybody, if, if you want to strike a deal, it would be best to try and do that you know, in spring to start lowering your price then. But at this point, it's mandatory. Right, exactly. 
Uh, any rental stories, by the way? Um, all, I, I have one that I think might be of interest that I could share with you. Years Please. ago, I thank you. Um, years ago, I called the gentleman up. I said, listen, I have tenants coming out today, uh, tomorrow. Uh, would it be okay for me to show you home? And he said, yep, I just want to you know, confide in you that I just got divorced. I won't be there. My wife will be there. Um, I don't know the condition of the home, but the key is hiding on the left side of the porch under a flower pot. So I go to the house, get the key. I open it up. They're interested. Pretty big house. We go upstairs to one of the four bedrooms and we opened a door that I thought was going to be a closet. And it was another bedroom. It's kind of like New York City railroad style. So that was a surprise. Okay. I look up and I see two feet hanging. It was about 12 noon at the time. Two feet hanging, you know, uh, over the side of the bed, you know, with cover on top. And a little dog wakes up and stares me down. And I'm like, oh, my God, somebody's here. Somebody's sleeping. The dog is about to go nuts. I was so quiet backed out, shut the door. And I thought, wow, I really escaped. That dog could have went crazy, could have scared the tenants. I would have woke this person up. They didn't know we were coming, obviously. So later in the day, I called the guy up and I said, listen, I just want to know. You said you just got divorced, that uh, you don't know the condition of the house. Well, the condition included um, your son or daughter, you know, upstairs sleeping with the dog. And he goes, I don't have a dog and I don't have any kids. So... I realized at that time that I was in the house next door. They were identical homes. And potentially, as they were new builds, the the original builder may have left keys uh, in the same spot. And I was in the wrong house altogether. <laughs> I like that. What That's can you do, John? <laughs> there was not much more that you could say or do with that. You know? At that point, <laughs> at that point, it was over. <laughs> well, it's amazing that they didn't call the cops, you know, so I mean, you lucked out. Well, call. Nobody saw me there, you know, right. I neither confirmed nor deny the story today. You could be a cat burglar. I love it. I, <laughs> I, 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 who knew it was part of the job in real estate out here? Exactly. Let me ask you, uh, do you think uh, your year round rentals are still a premium to find? They are very difficult to find. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, typically speaking in the Hamptons, um, summer rents comprise maybe 80% of a year-round rental. So most most landlords would prefer to rent for the summer, use the house in the off-season, um, and they get most of that money. So I, we have a need for, for year-round rentals, and it's never an easy search, uh, especially if you're trying to do it um, you know, at this time uh, of the year as well, where where summer rentals are in play as competition. Right. Right. It's so true. Uh, what do you think of the current sales market? Any different than uh, 2020, 2022? I'm sorry, 2020, yeah, 22. I, you know, it's it's a fascinating market because uh, generally speaking, our sales numbers, the number of homes that sold in 2022 was drastically reduced. However, the average price was flat to up a couple percentages, depending on 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 your source and your definition of the Hamptons market. Um, this year, you know, just from what I'm seeing and reading reports, um, I would say that you know we still have reduced sales based on a lack of inventory, but the average price has remained 
I would, I'm guessing flat. That's just my feeling for what I'm seeing out there. I haven't noticed pricing change yet. So, you know, at some point you wonder if something's got to give. Um, usually if, if uh, sales are down, prices might follow. But again, it's this extreme lack of inventory that's kept us in place at this time. And that's protecting sellers in the market. Right. Um, do you still see uh, bidding wars going on? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Earlier this year, I you know it, it's price dependent and home dependent. Um, earlier this year, a colleague, Elise Douglas, and I we listed a home in um, Northwest Woods at one million three hundred ninety five thousand. Um, it was a January weekend. We were rushing to get it together for. Saturday and deciding whether or not to do the open house. I said, look, let's just do the open house on Sunday. We'll see how it goes. In the Hamptons, it's not like New York City where an open house garners a lot of attention. On a typical open house, nothing new about the house, nothing uh, non-renovated. You might get zero to one people to show up, especially in January. We had 56 people show up and it was mayhem. Most of them stayed on the street afterwards. So within five days, uh, we had eight people. Everybody was above asking price. The last place, I believe, was 30000 above ask, all cash. Um, mm. And the bids went, you know, close to 200000 and and more above. Um, so, the, so the bidding wars are still here. Um, they'll probably be here for a while for, for properties that are priced well from the get-go. And 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 things that people want to see. Yeah, yes, that, that's so true. Um, what kind of advice do you offer people coming into the market? So, for a buyer or a seller coming into the market, for a buyer, for a buyer, I think that's a very important. That's a great question, John. I see buyer after buyer that think they're prepared, um, and they're not. And and what I mean by that is. It's a competitive market still. You need everything on your side. So, um, you know, in my career, it feels like 80 to 85% of the deals have been cash. I know statistically, I've seen numbers in the 20, 25, 26 percentile range. Um, it's probably more likely, but it, it feels like everyone out here, and it does be 700,000 or $7 million, feels like you're always bidding against cash buyers. So, if you have a mortgage, you should consider a couple of things. Number one, um, how can you prove your funds well beyond the needs of the mortgage? Number two, you may want to do non-contingent upon a mortgage. You, you, you state that your offer, you will be getting a mortgage, but you want no mortgage contingency. So you're risking your down payment in order to um, secure the home better against cash buyers. The other thing, you want to choose a local attorney. This is so important. Uh, who knows how to protect you in the Hamptons market and who works quickly because in markets like this where days matter and where other bids come, um, you want to get the deal done as fast as possible. That's great advice. You're, you're right on, you know, right on on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank um, you. How can somebody uh, get in touch with you? They can reach me at joe.gonzalez, J-O-E dot G-O, and is a Nancy, Z-A-L-E-Z, at corcoran.com. 
or they can give me a call at 917-617-0957. Joe Gonzalez, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or other podcasts, go to WLIW.org slash radio slash real life if you have any comments or thoughts please reach out to me at john.christopher at sir.com thank you so much for listening and be sure to have an awesome journey you have been listening to real life the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for real life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.